0: Uh, in this room as well as you folks up uh, in the upper room and all the folks watching on uh, online today we uh, continue in our series today uh, seven questions God can't answer and remember we're looking through some questions uh, that Jesus asks uh, and they are questions that uh, should cause us to pause uh, to reflect and they are questions that call us for uh, for a response and today's no different uh, when we look at the question uh, do you want to get well. Uh, Today's question uh, comes out of the Gospel of John. It takes place in the fifth chapter. Remember, the Gospels uh, are those uh, New Testament books that are the collections of Jesus' words and his deeds. Uh, And the Gospel of John, in particular, Uh, if you want a Gospel to just kind of pour into and read through, if you're new uh to uh trying to take Jesus in and and uh, gospel of John's a great place to start and uh because it, John tells you uh why in his gospel why he's collected all this information and put it together uh by the time you get toward the end of the gospel uh he says that all this stuff is written even though Jesus did lots of other stuff that he couldn't write all of it but the stuff that's written here is written so that you will believe in Jesus name and in believing in that name And this is the important second part. You will have life. That is a significant uh, thing for us to remember today as we get looking at this question. It comes out of that fifth chapter of the Gospel of John. Uh, Jesus is in Jerusalem, it tells us, uh, and he is there for one of the Jewish uh, holy days. What's interesting is uh, it doesn't tell us which one, and uh, for John's purposes, it doesn't really matter. Uh, The experience itself speaks loud and clear. It's everything that we need. So he just says, listen, Jesus is in Jerusalem. Uh, It's one of those uh, Jewish uh, holy festival days, uh, which means that uh, Jerusalem is full of people. It means uh, the temple is full of people. It means there is worship going on. There is sacrifice going on. The city is a hustle and a bustle, uh, and significant ritual is taking place at the temple. And Jesus is in the midst of it. And yet, even though he's there, even though all this stuff is going on, uh, he chooses to be somewhere else. It says he's in Jerusalem. It's a high holy day. Inside the city near the sheep's gate was the pool of Bethesda with uh, five covered porches. So I'll give you a little uh, little map and unfortunately, it is a little map. Uh, thought it would get bigger on the big screen, but it didn't. Uh, but what you are talking about, try to help you out here, uh, is the Sheep's Gate is right in here. Uh, by the way, if you go with me on uh, 2020 to Jerusalem, you'll go there. The Sheep's Gate is right there. And you see these little boxes here? Uh, those little boxes represent pools. And one of those pools is called the Pool of uh, Bethesda. It's actually two pools side by side that pour over uh, into each other. And those pools were there uh, for for cleansing. Right? Uh, some think maybe even the, the, the before they brought the sheep in through the sheep's gate, they used the water from the pool to, to cleanse the, the sacrificial lambs. Uh, not sure about that, but what we do know Uh, is that if you were a pilgrim and you were a traveler and you were coming to Jerusalem on one of those high holy days and you wanted to go to the temple, the first thing you did before you went in was you got cleansed by going through these pools. And so they're there for spiritual cleansing, right? You went through, got the dust off your feet, but more than that, you got spiritually cleansed and ready so that you could actually go in and enter the experience uh, at the holy place uh, of the temple. Uh, Now, John tells us that these pools uh, were there and did something else. These pools existed, and John tells us that crowds of sick people, blind, lame, and paralyzed, lay on the porches. So there's these two pools outside the city gate, outside the sheep's gate. And all the lame, the sick, the paralyzed, anybody with any kind of frailty would come and gather Day after day after day at these pools right outside the city. Now, if you've got your Bible open or you got your app open and you're looking right now at John 5, you're gonna notice one of the most unusual experiences that you're gonna find in the scripture. Uh, It's not just the experience we're going to talk about today, but if you're looking at your Bible right now, you're going to find that you're going to start reading the Gospel of John, chapter 5, and you're going to read verse 1, you're going to read verse 2, you're going to read verse 3, and then you're going to read verse 5. What do you suppose is missing? Amazing. Verse 4. Heard about that happening in the Bible before? Kind of an amazing deal. It goes verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, verse 5. And all you get is a little footnote or a little asterisk in there. Why is that? Well, the earliest manuscripts of the Gospel of John don't include what's become verse 4. They're just not in the earliest of manuscripts. That apparently some scribe along the way who knew the experience or the story of what we're going to look at today decided it was absolutely vital and important for anybody who would read John's John's gospel to understand why this is so significant. Why it was so significant to not just leave it that, well, there at the pool, all of those folks gathered, the sick, the lame, and the paralyzed gathered there. And so the scribe added a conclusion to verse 3 and verse 4. Here is the conclusion to verse 3 and verse 4. They brought all the lame, all the sick, all the paralyzed, anybody with any kind of uh, uncleanness and fault. They brought them to the pools. They waited all day on the porches. They waited for a certain movement of the water. For an angel of the Lord came from time to time and stirred up the water. And the first person to step in after the water was stirred was healed of whatever disease he had. Get the picture? There is a crowd. There is a multitude. There is a mass of sick, lame, paralyzed, hurting, broken people who gather together. And every day, they gather at the same pool, waiting, hoping that today might be the day, that today might possibly be the day that the waters stir, and that they might possibly be the first one To get into that stirred water and have their life changed, healed. The text tells us one of those guys, one of this mass of paralyzed people, was a guy who was lying there and had been sick for 38 years. You know what that means, right? Gave you the number. That means for 13,870 days, this guy every single day went and lied on those porches, lying on his mat, hoping, waiting that today might be the day if he could just see the water stirred, waiting, hoping that he would be the first to not only see the water stirred, but that somehow, somehow he could drag himself Into that water and experience a change in his life. Every day for 13,870 days. That's all he did and all he hoped for and all he waited for. And how many days have you been waiting? How many days have you been waiting? For an emptiness, for a sickness, for a disappointment, for a frailty, for a sin, for a fault to be healed. How long have you been waiting for your sin and your brokenness to be forgiven? For this guy, 13,870 days. The text says, and Jesus, Jesus saw him and he knew he'd been ill for a long time. This is extraordinary. Think about what's happening. It is a holy day in Jerusalem. The place is full of people. The temple is active. Everything is happening at the temple. Everything that is anything important is happening at the The temple. And yet, where does Jesus choose to go? Where does Jesus choose to place himself? Right there in the middle of the mass of broken people. Right there in the midst of the mass of the paralyzed and the lame and the sick and the broken. He leaves behind the temple. He leaves behind the glitz and glitter. He leaves behind all the excitement of the holy temple itself. And he goes and places himself in the middle of the broken. And the text says, he saw the man and he knew the man. This is extraordinarily good news for us. Jesus sees us And he knows us. It means that all of that stuff that you and I every single day work so hard at trying to ignore or trying to deny or trying to prove to somebody else it doesn't really exist or it's not really that important, all of that sickness and that frailty and that fault and all that disappointment and all that burden that every single day we all live with and somehow we try to cover up and mask and make somehow okay, that all that stuff that you and I live with, all that, Jesus already knows it. He already understands it. And he chooses to place himself right There. He is absolutely unafraid of your weakness. He is absolutely unafraid of your brokenness. He is absolutely unafraid of anything that you look at in your life and say it is so bad and so wrong. He is absolutely unafraid of whatever you try to deny or cover up or hide or whatever you try to do with it. He is absolutely unafraid. He knows it. And because he knows it, You don't have to ignore it anymore. You don't have to deny it anymore. You don't have to pretend anymore. He knows it. He understands it. And he is absolutely unafraid of it. This should not surprise us. The psalmist tells us, O Lord, you have examined my heart. You know everything. How much? Everything. Everything. Everything about me. You know when I sit down or when I stand up, you know my thoughts, even when I'm far away, even when they don't measure up. You know. He knows. Place yourself outside the sheep's gate. Place yourself by one of those pools and understand your weight is over because Jesus chooses to be there. And he sees the man and he knows the man and he goes up to the man and he asks him the question Would you like to get well? Would you like to get well? Now, on the surface, when we first hear the question, it would be easy for us to say, uh, really? Uh, duh. Think about the question. Think about the question for this man. All this man has known for 38 years is every day getting on his mat, talking some friends of his to take him over to the pool, and sitting by the pool every day, all the time, just watching the water. And Jesus is asking him more than, do you just want me to take away the sickness? What Jesus is asking him is, do you want me to change the direction of your life? Do you you want me to enter in and help you understand that there is a whole new opportunity of a fullness of life Because for this guy, when he gets up tomorrow, he won't be going to the pool anymore. What is he going to do? How is he going to get by? He can't beg anymore. He's been healed. How is he going to spend his life for the rest of his days? What is he going to do? What direction is his life going to go in? And will it make any difference to anyone else or have any element at all of glorifying God? Do you want to get well? Are you ready for your life to change? To give up all the sickness, the brokenness, all the stuff you deny, all the stuff you want to just cover up. Are you ready to face that and give all that up and enter into the opportunity of living completely different? Do you want to get well? The guy hears the question. In his brokenness, he hears the question and he says, i I can't. I-, I can't, sir, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. The guy's response. I I, I can't right now imagine what else my life could become. I-, I can't right now understand the fullness of what you're inviting me into. I can't right now get a picture of the the kind of life that you're you're inviting me to go ahead and receive right now in this moment. And I can't do it for myself because it's going to take somebody else. It's going to take somebody else to, to get me into the pool. It's going to take somebody else to move me into this opportunity. It's going to take somebody else to do what I can't do and he's right and the somebody else is standing right in front of him and the somebody else is right in this room today and he asks you the same question you want to get well you want to have a fullness of life you want your life to have incredible, eternal purposes and meaning? You want to get well and give up all the old stuff and the old ways and the old sickness and the old faults and the old failures? You want to get well and have a whole new life? Then the most extraordinary thing happens. The most incredible thing happens. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. All the man is asked to do, all the man is invited to do, is just do what Jesus says. That's it. Just do what he says. Now remember, this guy he doesn't know who Jesus is. He doesn't even know His name. This guy spent every day beside the pool waiting for the water to bubble. He doesn't know squat about Jesus. He doesn't know any of his teachings. He doesn't hear, He hasn't heard any of his words prior to this. He doesn't know he turned water into wine. He doesn't know he's healed some young person just before this. He has no idea of the miracles that Jesus has done. And Jesus just says, pick up your mat, walk. All he has to do is simply do what Jesus says. He doesn't have to give some big sign of faith. He doesn't have to speak Christianese. He doesn't have to quote the Bible or recite the Psalms. He doesn't have to do anything that would measure somehow his spiritual reality to prove to Jesus that somehow he is spiritually appropriate and good enough. All he has to do is just take Jesus at his word and do what he says. See, some of you in the room today, you may be ahead of this guy. You may know Jesus. You may have known him for a long time. You may have faith that's been growing in him. But are you doing everything he says? You may be new. You may be like this guy. You may not know the power of Jesus. You don't have to. Just take the step to do what He says, that's it. Just step into it. Pick up your mat and walk. Now here's what's really extraordinary. The guy didn't have to do anything. And Jesus just goes ahead and heals him. Jesus, in his love for him, in his grace, in his goodness, Jesus, out of exactly who he is, in his character, in his purpose, he just simply heals the guy. It says, instantly, the man was healed. Just by virtue of Jesus' word. Put the dots together. What does Jesus ask them to do? Just do what I say. And when he says, what happens? He's healed. And this isn't the first time. This happened just prior to this healing. If you go into the end of uh, chapter 4 in the Gospel of John, Jesus is doing his ministry. He's out by Cana and Capernaum. And an official comes up to him and says, Jesus, my son is sick unto death. Only you can do anything about it. And Jesus says, fine, okay, good. He's fine, go home. The guy starts making his way home and as he goes home, his servants come to him and they say, you won't believe this, your son is fine. It's incredible. And he says, well, when did this happen? And he figures it out. It happened exactly when Jesus said, he's fine. And the boy that got healed was 16 and a half miles away from where Jesus was. All it took was his word do you want to get well just do what he says the guy gets healed takes up his mat and walks the guy simply does the simplest of things he just does what Jesus says that's all He just does what Jesus says. Later on, Jesus seeks him out. Jesus, in the Greek, it's real clear, Jesus intentionally finds the guy. He finds him in the temple. It says, but afterward Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you're well, so stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. Translation. Praise the Lord, he finds the guy in the temple, right? The guy's kind of getting it. And Jesus says, Okay, so you've stepped into my word. Now keep following him. Just just keep doing what I say. Just just step into my word and keep doing what I say. And, and I will continue to work and unfold the fullness of life that I have in store for you. Just keep doing what I say. Don't do what the world says. Don't do what the Pharisees and the leaders say. Don't listen to all the distracting voices. Just keep doing it. Keep doing what I say. Around here, the translation would be something like, keep coming to church, keep coming to worship. Make sure you're in the Word every day. Get into a small group Bible study. Get in to celebrate recovery. Make sure you start tithing. Just do what he says. His word always accomplishes the very thing it's spoken toward. And he is the only one that can bring you the fullness of life. The religious leaders try to confuse everything. They get all hopped up on a miracle taking place on Sunday, and the guy walking around with his mat, that's breaking the rules and not supposed to do that. There's going to be voices out there. If you just start living Jesus' way, there's going to be voices out there asking you, what are you doing? This is crazy. What do you think you're up to? Don't listen to the voices. Just keep doing what he says. Don't listen to the distractions. There's going to be doubt that's going to enter in. You're going to read his word. It's going to say, listen, you got to do this. You ought to do this. The way to life is this way. Just keep doing it. It's a narrow gate. Just walk through the narrow gates. And there's going to be lots of doubt and temptation to just kind of, well, maybe not in this point. Maybe not in this case. Don't listen to the doubt. Do you want to get well? Just do it. Just do what he says. In response to all the confusion and all the distraction, Jesus says to all those folks, My Father is always working what? And so am I. Jesus is not going to stop working in your life. He is not afraid of your future. And he is ready to bring you a fullness of life that only he can bring. That's all the questions for today. Do you want to get well? No, I I mean, do you really want to get well and have your life change, your marriage change, your family change, your career change, how you see yourself and understand yourself change? Do you want to understand? Do you really want to get well? Then... Just do what he says. Or if you're already on that path and you're growing and you understand everything we've talked about this morning, praise the Lord, but start looking around because guess what? There is somebody out there who is next to you and they're not in the same place and they're sick. And they're waiting for you to speak into their life and ask them a simple question to go into the sickness where they are, just like Jesus did, and ask them just a straightforward question. Do you want to get well? Because there is a way. There is someone who is the truth, and there's someone who is the life. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today, and uh, we ask this morning, we're so much like that guy by the pool, with all our faults and our failures and our weaknesses, you know. Thank you for knowing. Thank you for freeing us from ignoring that and just being free to face it and deal with it, not alone, but with the power of your word. Lord, we want to get well. So speak into us this morning. Help us to just believe it, what measure of faith, whatever measure of faith we have, to just go ahead and do what you say and trust you above everything. Bring to us that newness of life, that fullness of life that only you can bring. And help us as we come to the table, to receive you in the simplest of gifts of bread and wine, and know the fullness of forgiveness the fullness of your love for us and the fullness of the new life you won for us through a cross and an empty tomb. We ask it, Lord, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.